Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Luke chapter 18, verse 8. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Why do you think our Lord poses this sort of rhetorical question at the end of the parable of the persistent widow? which is a wonderful parable. I wanted to preach on it, in fact, uh, because I I love that parable so much, but God just invites us uh, to badger him as much as we can. He's exhorting us through that parable to keep praying, to keep petitioning God, to not lose heart. Uh, And he assures us that prayers in the parable for justice, for vindication, for things to be set right, for salvation, will be answered and swiftly. And then he asks, almost as if in despair. I don't believe that that Jesus felt, had despair, but there's almost despair in that question. When the Son of Man comes, right, when he himself returns again, will he find faith on earth? I think the connection is, will he find people who are continuing to look for heaven for help? Will he find people who are like the persistent widow, who believe that God will come again, that Jesus will come again, uh, and will help us? I think as part and parcel with this, you could also translate the verse, um, when the Son of Man comes, will he find the faith on earth? The faith, the Christian faith, when he comes again. The connection, I think, is this. True Christian faith, in both doctrine and practice, has built into it a certain dissatisfaction. That If you believe the true gospel, if you hold to sound doctrine, there is built in some dissatisfaction. Right? The persistent widow, while she was waiting for justice in the parable, wasn't satisfied. As Christians, we believe things are not how they should be. Out there, in our lives, right? there's a built-in longing, a built-in discontent. Lord, this is not right, and it needs to be right. Right? What this means is that we are waiting, and, and often waiting, in unhappiness. And those are two things we don't like as human beings, if you're like me, right? Waiting and unhappiness, let alone both. Right, waiting while being unhappy. We don't like it. So what do we do instead? Instead of holding to the faith that the Son of Man um, hopes will be here when he returns, 2 Timothy chapter 4 calls us all out. Verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. What we have here in this verse to put it in very stark terms, is the contrast between orthodoxy, believing rightly, and heresy. Sound doctrine is the language that um, Paul uses to Timothy, and teaching that suits our own passions. And just to be clear, when the Bible uses the word passions, that word doesn't mean what it can sometimes mean in English, like a positive thing, like, oh yeah, I'm really passionate about serving at the food kitchen, right? Passion doesn't, isn't always bad in English. In Greek, it's always bad. Right? The passion, it, it, we, you could translate it the unruly passions of the flesh. Um, St. John of Damascus in the 700s defined it. He said, what's a passion? Anything that when you follow it, you don't feel peace anymore. It's a pretty good definition. Um, the top three are anger, lust, and greed. Those are the top three passions. Sound doctrine versus teaching that suits our own passions. Um, And St. Paul, um, he describes choosing your own teachers. They accumulate for themselves teachers who teach what suits their passions. Um, 
this aspect of, of choosing, it actually reveals, you know, the root for the word heresy it comes from the Greek heresis, which just means to choose. Did you know that? That at root, heresy is nothing other than just choosing for yourself the doctrine. Very interesting because we um, think of it so much more than that, but it's a simple choosing of your own path. The opposite of that would be um, submission to the Christian faith, receiving it, um, which is something that Paul in the letter to Timothy is constantly reinforcing. We heard it today, verse 14. Continue in what you've learned. Don't find new things. Don't change it. Just continue in what you've learned. The sound doctrine. Knowing from whom you have learned it. So only the historic Christian faith is sound doctrine, right? The one that's been continued in. Sound doctrine, if you, if you read the ESV, there's a footnote that says could also be translated healthy doctrine. And I love that sort of play because it's doctrine that's wholesome and that if you believe it, it makes you more wholesome. It makes you healthy. Only the truth will really set us free. Sound doctrine has been passed down from Paul to Timothy, who was the next generation of leaders, to the next generation after that, every generation down to our own day. The Holy Spirit has preserved it in his church. St. Jude refers to this same thing as a body of beliefs, which he calls the faith. Remember, will the Son of Man find the faith on earth? Um, St. Jude says, the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. By who? Jesus, right? Delivered by Jesus to his church. This body of sound doctrine that Paul says we need to endure in. It's the doctrine that the Anglican Church, uh, among others, jealously guards. Paul calls, says to Timothy, it's a good deposit. And he says, be careful about it. Safeguard it. Don't let it get changed. Um, in sort of theological language, it's sometimes referred to as the Catholic faith, with a little c, right? The faith of the universal church. I've actually made a vow before the bishop as an Anglican priest to teach only what accords with sound doctrine. If you ever think I've spoken something that's not part of this deposit of faith, you need to call my bishop that day and say, Father Ben's altering it. He's changing the message. I'm dead serious about that, right? All men err. And, it's, and that's why we have overseers. And he would call me and say, tell me what you preached on. And I'd say, oh, this, this, and this. Right? And he would say, let me talk. He, he's a good father in the Lord. So he would walk me through the scriptures and show me where I was wrong. And then I'd need to publicly correct it. Right? So this is all nice in theory, this idea of sound doctrine, orthodoxy, the stable body. Let me let the rubber take the rubber to the road a little bit. Why would sound doctrine ever be abandoned? If it's so solid and traditional and good, why does anybody let go of it? The answer, I think, is because it's often painful. Right? The widow waiting for justice didn't like waiting. Sound, healthy, health-making doctrine, like any good medicine, sometimes tastes yucky. Right? Sometimes it stings the wound, but that doesn't mean it's not the right thing to put on it. Um, the fact remains, as we all know as Christians, we all still have a flesh. Right? We all still have unruly passions that want to be satisfied. And therefore, at some level, there's always going to be a part of us that doesn't like sound doctrine. And it's not the sound doctrine that affects other people. Right? That I'm fine with. I love solid orthodoxy there. Right? It's when it cuts against what I want to do in my life. We'd rather choose for ourselves which parts we'll believe and which parts we won't believe I'd rather have the freedom of heresis, right? 
to listen to teaching that scratches the itchy ear. Um, I read a lot of commentaries this week about what is this metaphor of ear scratching, and I, I'm convinced that um, the picture is one of how much animals love getting their ear scratched. Um, I know dogs do, and I have so little experience with other animals. Um, I was wondering, I was going to say like horses and goats do, but then I realized, do they? You who keep livestock, do they like ear scratching? Not really. Chin scratching. Okay, yeah. So we'll stick with the dog picture then. Um, <laughs> think about the way a dog is when it gets a good ear scratch. You know that ah, there it is, right? What is bliss for a dog um, is not good for our souls. If we follow the inclination of our flesh and we find teaching that satisfies rather than rebukes our unruly passions, we'll no longer be holding the doctrine that would be healthy to our souls. That's what Paul's contrasting. Sound doctrine versus, ah, yeah, there it is. So let me just throw out a few kind of broad brush contrasts. Sound doctrine teaches us that we must wait patiently for the Lord's provision. That's right there in the parable of the widow, right? Ear-scratching doctrine, which abounds in many different quarters in the church and out of it, will tell you that you can get what you want now if you believe hard enough or try hard enough. This isn't just in the church. There's all this sort of secular nonsense about if you will the universe hard enough, it'll, you know. But even in the church, too, if you just have enough faith, it'll happen for you like that. That's, yeah, that's what we all want, right? The, the, the solution now. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Sound doctrine teaches us that we need the church, that we need each other. We need to show up together, as it says in Hebrews. We need the sacraments that the Lord's appointed in the midst of the church. Ear-scratching doctrine will say, you don't need to be obliged to anybody else or to gather with other people who will no doubt irritate you at some point. You can just be by yourself. You can be spiritual without all that religious stuff. Oh, yeah, sounds great. So I can just stay at home, right? Ear-scratching. I'm going to have a red ear by the end of the sermon. <laughs> serves me right. Um, sound doctrine teaches us that, that there's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. That's 2 Corinthians. Ear-scratching doctrine will teach us that we should turn a blind eye to anything that's negative. That's something I see kind of filtering in on the edge of the church from time to time. Don't, don't, don't be negative. Don't pay attention to that negative stuff out there in your own life. Stay positive. No, no. There's a godly sorrow. Right? For, and Jesus wept at what was broken in the world. Right? All the saints have testified to weeping to what was broken in themselves. And not just, no, 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 remember the positive. Right? That's, it's just ear-scratching. Sound doctrine, as we hear in 1 Corinthians, says that your bodies as Christians belong to God. Ear-scratching doctrine will say, whatever you want to do with your body, it's up to you. It's not up to you. That'd be not. I mean, if my flesh would like that, right? Oh, it's up to me. Great. No, no. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Your body is not your own. I think, um, like in many moments in the church's life, we're in a moment where we we're seeing Paul's warning being fulfilled. The time has come, and people are enduring sound teaching less and less. YouTube, I think, is practically a temple of teachers we accumulate for ourselves. For whatever itch you have, you can find a teacher that will suit that passion. Whether it's um, secular self-help authors, watered-down versions of Christianity being peddled as Christianity, business gurus giving TED Talks, whatever it may be, um, there's plenty of places to get your ears scratched, to hear what you want to hear that will be satisfying to the passions. 
So how do we not fall for it? Um, here's what I found in my experience. When I have an impulse towards something, that deep down I know, and sort of for me the, the two like tests are, um, would my parents or my priest, you know, who would be my bishop, um, approve of it or not? I know that they wouldn't approve. I go looking for some authority that can tell me it's okay. Whether it's a book or a website or a friend who has these ideas or whatever it may be, someone who could sort of justify to myself, yeah, yeah no, that, that's permissible Christian behavior. I, I just wanted to scratch it, have the itch scratched. Instead of remaining in the sound doctrine that has been handed down. And I really think that's the moment of danger. So I don't know if it'll come up for you this week or in a year, but at some point, the flesh is going to have uh, a, a desire. You're going to have an itch for some teaching, and there'll be that temptation. Well, I could receive the faith as the church teaches it, or I could listen to this new teacher who says all this stuff is just fine. Right? See that moment for what it is, as the choice between orthodoxy and ultimately, through heresis, choosing heresy. And to depart from sound doctrine is to allow the wounds to fester. Right? Very dangerous for our souls. So I just want to flag it for what it is, because it's come up in my life on a couple junctures, where I want to do something just for me, uh, and, I, and I start looking, and you can find teachers for anything. Even teachers who claim to be Christians, even teachers with PhDs in New Testament, who'll say, yeah, yeah, don't worry about that thing, it's just fine. And it's like, oh, great, but I know that it's not sound teaching. It's just satisfying the longing that I'm looking for. So if I could sum up this sermon with a one-sentence takeaway that I hope you take away. Don't go looking for teachers who'll satisfy ear-scratching. It's a general principle. Don't go looking for them. The Lord will bring you the truth. You each have the Holy Spirit. Every one of you has the Holy Spirit within you. He will teach you the truth. He will teach you the truth. Don't go looking for teachers who will legitimize ear-scratching. Instead, in, as the Bible says, endure in sound doctrine. It's a funny pairing. You wouldn't think it would take effort to just keep orthodoxy, but that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Endure in sound doctrine. Stick with it. Keep praying to the only one who's going to hear our prayers. Not to the universe, not to a saint, right? To God and the one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. Keep the faith, keep the Catholic faith. So that when Jesus does come back, and it could be this afternoon, we don't know. When Jesus comes back, he will find faith on earth. He will find the faith on earth, at least in your hearts. Many may go astray, but at least in your heart that you would stick with the true faith. May it be true of us as a congregation. But I pray that it's true for each of you as well. Amen.